biggest thing to take away is focus on getting to know your team, really building that trust, that friendship amongst your team. And then once you have that, completely unstoppable. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Messina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello and welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kaida Jesus and today I'll be your host. Today we are talking to three student CEOs from the Pacino Leadership Institute who have just presented their interdisciplinary team projects, Jerewat Mendel, Ashley Pataski, and Elizabeth Roche, all from the Arts and Sciences cohort. The interdisciplinary team project is an integral part to the freshman and sophomore of the Institute's spring semesters. In the fall, these three CEOs presented their project ideas to the rest of the Institute and were voted to make them reality in the spring. After a draft to see which students would work on which projects, these CEOs and their teams had about four months to complete or make progress on their project, the results being presented mid-spring. Today, these three CEOs are here to talk to me today about their projects and what they've learned about leadership. Gerald, Ashley, and Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. So, can we get an introduction from all three of you so the listeners know who's who and a brief description of the projects? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us. My name is Ashley Pastaski, and I'm the CEO of the Mentorship Initiative. And my group and I focused on combating the unequal mentorship experiences throughout the Institute across the cohorts by creating a universalized mentorship curriculum and also creating a mentorship committee that is student run by everyone actually on my IDT team. I'll go next. Hi, everyone. My name is Elizabeth Roche. I am the CEO of the Wellbeing Initiative, and our main goals for our project was to work closely with the university and provide a student perspective on mental health, improving resources by taking surveys and data, and also bringing new resources to campus, overall just reducing mental health stigma at Seton Hall. My name is Gerald Watt. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my project was designing a public speaking program to help the students in the Bucino Institute just hone their craft of presenting information and, and speaking. Okay, so the first question I want to get right off the bat is, why be a CEO? That's a great question. Um, I got to say, the amount of stuff that I just learned in the past four months blows my mind. I have now uh, just been in charge of a team of people running a project um, and have experienced things that it would probably take me years to get to that point in like in industry to being a team lead and running a project and trying to build something that hasn't happened. And so like learning how to like how to word emails and how to schedule meetings and, and, and set up agendas and then get all that stuff out to the teammates and then those people to show up to meetings and then run them. It's just it's so worth it. And uh really helped me develop over these past four months. Just to add on to that, I think I had to jump on this amazing experience that the Institute offered. Like Jarawad said, it would take years to get to this point outside of the Institute. So I knew what I wanted to accomplish on campus and having the tools to do that, I knew that I had to pitch and give it a try and it ended up being really successful. So I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, and to hop on what Jarawad and Liz said, how many students are able to 
recognize a problem in their university or the Casino Leadership Institute and hire their own team, work together with like-minded, highly motivated individuals and create a project that's going to be implemented. It's so rare. And when I saw this opportunity, honestly, I didn't think I was going to go for it. I was honestly a passive member of my freshman year IDT. I wasn't feeling confident in myself. And then I spoke to one of my mentors, Mentorship Initiative, and they told me to go for it. I need to put myself in these unfamiliar, uncomfortable situations and it paid off for the best. I have eight lifelong best friends now from this project and I've learned so, so much from my amazing AD Ruchin. So it's do it for the experience, do it for the friendships, do it for change. So what comes first, the desire to be a CEO or the the project that you want to complete? Honestly, for me, it was recognizing the problem. So finding the project. I, my freshman year, did not have a mentorship experience similar to my peers. And I had spoken to that about, I had spoken to that with Dean Kaiser. And he said, why not? propose an IDT project for this next semester. And I didn't even think of doing that initially. And then boom, it happened. And it was, it was great. <laughs> I think I actually had a similar experience in that the desire to make the public speaking program uh, was, I, I had it long before the desire to be a CEO. Um, and then it was just this opportunity. I was like, yeah, I want to get this done. I'm not really sure how to accomplish that. I think I need a, a team of people. And then the leadership institute was like, here, Here's an opportunity for you to have that team of people and get that done. Uh, so uh, that's at least how I experienced things. I also did something similar. So I knew because of the pandemic and the situation the world was in, mental health is a priority. And I've spent years training myself in how to be a good advocate for mental health. So I kind of just wanted to jump in and take that position and be that leader for a team and help educate not only just our institute, not only my team, but also the whole university. So I think it went hand in hand, but overall the project came first in my opinion. Okay, so we're all sophomores here. This is our second year doing an IDT. Were any of you guys CEOs last year and how much has changed? And even if you weren't a CEO, how much has changed since your first IDT to your second IDT? I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, I was not an IDT leader last um last year but I was it, it was crazy kind of the difference I felt on the team in general was that last year we as a group selected our leader and this year I as a leader selected the group and I think that has some very interesting implications in the way that team dynamics and, and meetings run um, in, in that and I think the other aspect of it was also that I was the one who had the idea and had to communicate that to my team whereas last year the team came up with the idea together um, and so I, I, I guess that's really all I have to say on, on that topic. I, th I thought it was interesting though. I can just add on. So I also was not an ID team leader last year, IDT team leader last year. Uh, and there's a big difference between assigning tasks and doing tasks, I would say. So obviously I speak for myself, but it was a lot harder this year and learning how to communicate my ideas with people, learning how to share the spotlight in a way and kind of use my idea of what perfection is and open that to other people and get different interpretations. 
So although this year was harder, I feel like I learned more this year being a leader than I did last year being just a member of a team. And I learned more from my teammates than I did than I think they did from me. So Yeah, I completely agree with what both of them said. It's the same experience for me. Freshman year I was not an IDT leader and as I said previously, I was I wasn't like top member I wasn't like a VIP or anything I was a passive member getting by I wasn't bottom I wasn't the top I was just kind of in the middle and I was comfortable and this semester this year oh my god I was not comfortable ever (laughs) I was sending out team schedules creating agendas forming this team I don't think a lot of people recognize how difficult creating a team is especially in a draft setting (laughs) it was so difficult just matching chemistries of people because we see these interview videos we see these rankings these disc assessments and all of a sudden you had your team set up and then boom Jarwat took my pick or something happens and you have to change your focus like snap quick you have five minutes and it is it was so much harder this year but I wouldn't want it any other way because I'm so much more confident in myself this year last year I didn't I had imposter syndrome 100%. I did not believe I belonged to the Institute. Now, after this year, I actually feel like I belong and I did something meaningful. So this year, totally difficult, totally hard. I think Liz and Jarmont could totally agree. It was really, really hard, but 100% worth it. I actually want to do talk a little bit more about imposter syndrome because we all kind of had, we we all went through the same classes. We all did sort of the same things. And we did take a a workshop on imposter syndrome last year. Uh, So at any point, how much did you feel of that? Because we're all like 20 and we're all dealing with these uh, problems that like these adults who spent years in this uh, are doing. How does it feel? How do you do you ever get rid of the imposter syndrome or how do you mitigate it? Basically, how do you deal with it? Uh, so I could speak to that a little bit. Just right off the bat, I personally don't think you can ever get rid of imposter syndrome. I think you can do things to combat the tendencies of feeling like an imposter and for me personally I did struggle with it this semester and this year because I'm one person in a huge university and I have a huge vision for change and at moments it could feel like am I even the one that's supposed to be doing this right now but for me what I find works best is I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason so I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't run up to Dean Kaiser and ask him why I haven't received my acceptance letter to the Institute yet. If if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. I wouldn't have met half of my friends. So just going back and realizing how things have played out for me, that kind of helps me combat those tendencies because it's like every small little detail has led me to this moment. So I am meant to be here and I'm meant to be doing this. I think with imposter syndrome, it definitely as Liz said, doesn't go away. It lived with me throughout this whole semester. But I think what really helped me cope was having a mentor, which was Ruchin Kansal. He was my AD for this project. And every time I was freaking out about something, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be a good leader for them. I feel like I'm holding everyone back. I'd talk to him, I'd email him, and I would feel so much better. But I think the number one thing that really helped me besides that was actually talking with my team and expressing these concerns. Hey, guys, am I doing an okay job as a leader? And something we did, instead of having feedback at the end of the project, we did mid-semester feedback. And that helped me so much with my imposter syndrome because as we were going off and starting, I did not think I was 
doing okay. I thought, oh, I'm, I'd be more assertive. I need to be more confident. And then when I had that feedback from my team, those concerns were just in my head. And my imposter syndrome seemed to like dissipate into the air. So, I mean, it's going to be in your head. It's going to live with you. But I think just being open and honest with your team really does help ameliorate those concerns. I think in what was particularly interesting is that I often believe that I don't have anything worth saying to contribute to the conversation. Um, so that was an interesting thing to sort of have in the back of my mind as I was speaking and running the entire meetings. I mean, have to like I had I actually had the vision and had to communicate it to everyone. And so it was like, oh, man, that was a little difficult to like manage and, and to sort of address. Um, but I, I think I came to a, a place throughout this process of like, you know what? I may not be the best at communicating my thought in a linear in a, in a, in a linear way, but I do have that idea. I do have that vision. And I, I can indeed, you know, communicate it to my, my team. But I, I found that it, throughout the process, like Ashley was just saying, being very open and being very honest about, hey, look, I don't think I know how to how to work this aspect of something. And, and I really don't know if, if I quite understand what's happening here. What is what are your guys' thoughts? How can you help me help you and help us all succeed, if that makes sense? So, yeah, being being open with the team. And, and being honest and, and listening, actually listening to what the team was telling me. Cause it, and that, that's, that's really how, uh, I, I guess I like got through, through the whole thing and, and sort of addressed that, like that imposter syndrome, I guess. So, uh, we just talked about a little bit about, about imposter syndrome, but was there ever a time where you felt like you were completely just in over your head? Yeah. Like these are huge projects. Did you ever, did any of you ever feel that way? Yes. yes. Ashley, you're totally good. You go first. Okay. I was going to say yes, 100%. And honestly, my answer might surprise you, but it was right at the beginning. After drafts, after meeting with Ruchin, my AD for the first time, and finally having this team in front of me and this big idea, I was so overwhelmed. I definitely had a few mental breakdowns along the way. And I think what really comforted me in that state of panic was finally meeting with my team for the first time, realizing, hey, we're all students, we're all people. We're all stressed out and kind of freaking out about this project. And once we established an emotional bond with one another, we were so powerful. We were getting so much done every meeting. Everyone was contributing and it was amazing. But yeah, the beginning was the biggest panic I had. <laughs> I I was going to say, yeah, there were definitely moments when I felt like I was over my head. Um, there have been a few times in my life where I've been put in charge of something and been like, I I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, why am I in charge? I was like, I guess I'll just make it up as I go along. And if something doesn't work, well, I'll switch it up and, and you know, see what, what does work. Um, so I, I quickly discovered when it comes to actually like picking the days that we have meetings, I was not the person to do that. Because um, like, uh, it was like, right, I think it was our second meeting. I, I scheduled it. And then only like four people were able to show up and I just didn't understand what happened. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to be able to run this team or like be in charge of all these people. And I was like, oh, so I just had to like reach out to my team and be like, look, who, who knows how to schedule? Who can plan? I need you to help me make that happen. Um, and that's where I guess how I addressed those moments when I was like completely just out of my depth of, of skills and abilities. And then uh, I also wanted to say that like Ashley, once the the team sort of got to know each other, uh, it it went a long way, right? And I had a a meeting before our first meeting 
that was just sort of so we could all talk and get acquainted with each other and like do a little like you know icebreaker games and whatnot and i i think that actually helped a lot with that like with the early on in the project of people like being willing to like listen to other ideas and also like share ideas and sort of helped with that like that team bonding i guess just to add on to all of that, there was definitely moments where I felt like I was in over my head, but one in particular was a week before the presentation. So leading up to the presentation, I had been very open with my team and very big on welcoming different perspectives because I think that's the best way to go about any project. So every single member of my team was very involved in this project, but when it came to presentations, I am a perfectionist. So I have a view in my head of how I want things to go. And I'm not good at hiding my emotions on my face. So when we did the first, very first rough draft run of the presentation, hadn't even been edited. I just told them who the speakers were going to be. I kind of had a little freak out after. And of course, my mind is like, oh, gosh, this isn't what I envisioned. And so my first thought is, okay, I'll just do it on myself. Like, I'll just tell them I'll be the only presenter. And I quickly realized that's not the right way to go about this because that would be not a good idea. So what I did was I talked to my team and I said, this is how I'm feeling right now. I know it's not justifiable. What can we do about this? So we sat and we edited the presentation to kind of how I pictured it, but also how everyone else had their input on it as well. And we just rehearsed a bunch of times and I ended up, it ended up being way better than I had pictured in my head with that original thought. So it all worked itself out. Okay, so I mentioned that before these projects even start, there's sort of a draft to see what goes on in the team, who goes on what team. I don't know how much you can talk about that, but I guess the biggest question I have is, how do you make these hard decisions? And then I'm learning, I just learned, because I, I was in a IDTC EEO, that and you, t- you have five minutes to make e- each decision. Like, how do you make these hard decisions? Do they ever get personal? On on the aspect of do they get personal, uh, I will answer that with with this. Um, I met a lot of the people in in my cohort or my class, my class of the of the institution, and and had I think I probably had like uh, lunch with with several people like got to talking to and get got to know quite a few people and so there were some decisions there I was like yeah it, it was like personal in the sense I know who you are and that you're going to work well on this team so I totally want you on this team it's going to be great and then there were some decisions where I was like I I know that this person and this person their personalities the way they go about work it's not going to mix well on the project that I'm doing and so the two combined I don't think is going to be uh, like advantageous for getting the project done. So I was like, maybe, maybe not have both, if that makes sense. Um, but it was like, it was super cool because we got a bunch of information just sent to us. We had like the disc assessments, the personal branding videos, the voting preferences. Um, and so it was quite a bit to sort of pour through and go over. Um, and, and it was sort of like, you, you take all that information and you piece it together and you, you build your team up. You're like, all right, well, this person's got these skills and this person's got those skills. And these skills complement each other. And so like, yeah, I'm, you know, and these, these skills are where I lack. And so I need someone who's going to, you know, pick up the slack in that area, if that makes sense. Um, but I think the other cool thing was that right at the get-go, I was like, this is going to be difficult. And there's no reason to make it like really tough on myself. So I reached out to all the other IDT leaders and I was like, yo, guys, we don't have to be super secretive about who we're planning to have on our team. We don't have to like 
like, I don't know. I was just like, look, if someone calls you up and is like, hey, I want to be on your team, Ashley, I'd love to be on your team. I got a ton of ideas and passion to contribute. Like, and I was, I was thinking that person would be a, a great person to be on my team. But Ashley tells me, I'm like, dude, like totally. Like if she, if she's got great ideas to contribute to Ashley's project, why would I want to like take that away from Ashley? So it's like a little bit of talking, just, just a little bit. I, I think went like a long way in sort of easing some of the tension when it came to designing our teams. Yeah, 100%. It never got personal per se, because all of us CEOs had a group chat and we were talking with each other, communicating, sharing who reached out to us, who we wanted. And it never was like hostile. Everyone got who reached out to them, which is great. But again, the whole draft situation is an hour of panic. I am not kidding. Because you come in with a list of your tops and then the first four people ahead of you grab every single one of them. But I'm, when I say this, I truly do mean this. I got the perfect team. It all worked out for the better. Like, we are all so close. We have a group chat. We're planning a trip together. Like, I wouldn't want the draft order, any of this process to change in any way. It's, it's nerve wracking having to make up a team on the fly when your whole team that you thought you wanted got taken. But again, I feel like that's how life is. You got to be quick, work on those reflexes and just adapt. And it was meaningful. It was, it was great. I liked it. Yeah, just to speak a little bit more on that. I actually am not good with names and faces. So I had a huge list of a bunch of names in front of me and a lot of information. So I had to really go through every single person, watch every single video and kind of take notes and so what I looked like on draft day, I was on my floor in my dorm room with an index card for every single person that I could pick from, color-coded, number-organized, and as names were being called, I was flipping them over. And it was very stressful, but luckily I did end up with most of my first and second picks. So I am very happy with that, and I wouldn't have wished for any other team. My team is perfect. But um, I would say if it got personal, maybe in some aspects, because I do know some students in the Institute. And of course, your first instinct is like, oh, I know them. Like, I want them to be on my team. But it's like, there's this other really good option. And they have great analytical skills. And I know they're really good with note taking and organization. So having to choose between familiarity and logistic options was a little bit hard. But overall, it worked out really well. Yeah, I really wanted to touch into that professional versus personal aspect, because for those of us who aren't in the Institute that are listening, the Arts and Sciences cohort is the largest cohort in the Institute. So so statistically, at least one of the people in your team had to be someone that you knew or was your friend. So like, did you ever have problems with that? And how do you like separate that personal, I like this person as a friend, but I have to... I have to be a leader now. How, like, did it, were there any problems like that? And how do you deal with that? Interestingly enough, I did bump into that, but not with someone from the College of Arts and Science. It was actually someone from a different cohort where I was like, I'm friends with them. They said they want to be on my team. I was like, but I don't have a place for them on the team. Right. I was, I was like, they like that. There's a, there's a piece of my puzzle that I'm missing and the skills that they have as a person don't fit that 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 spot if that makes sense um as far as the college of arts and science goes though i had the sort of opposite where there was someone who who's in the in the cohort i wanted to be on my team 
because we were friends and they also sort of like I the the skills that they had were ones that I wanted um, for a member on the team. But because uh, I had two other people from College of Arts and Science that I drafted, uh, I wasn't able to pick that person until my very, very last pick. And it was the person right before me who drafted them. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to go tell that person that I, I didn't pick them for my team. I was like, that's going to be a little interesting conversation. But, you know, like it, it, wor- it worked out because the person I ended up drafting totally like took care of business and got things done, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. Uh, just to add on to that, one thing I'm not sure if you know about the drafts is because arts and sciences is a bigger college, and I believe business as as well, we had two picks from each of those colleges and one pick from each of the other colleges. But we had to fulfill every college requirement before we could go picking double. So, for example, there were two students from nursing that I really wanted for my team, but I had to meet the nursing requirement, the Diplo education, College of Arts and Sciences business before I could go double dip in nursing. So that's kind of a way that you lost on your ideal team as well. Um, and in, t- in terms of like personal uh, relationships versus professional, I drafted two of my really close friends from the College of Arts and Sciences. And it was a concern for me because creating that boundary can be difficult, especially this is the first time I've been put in that situation. But we are all very professional students, and I think that really helps because they were, I think, two of the strongest assets on my team. Because I was able to communicate with them so well from the start, I built that relationship with my team going on. But having that relationship established with those two uh, people really did help in the long run. For me, I also did have two people from the College of Arts and Sciences on my team, but it was totally different scenarios for the two of them. One of them I had on my IDT team last year, and I learned that we completely balance each other out. I'm a very high D, high I person on the DISC assessment. He's a super high S, super high C, like little to no D, I. And we totally balance each other out. And when we're together, it's like a powerhouse. So I knew I wanted him on my team. And it turns out he's one of my like closest friends on campus. So I relied on both personal and professional um, aspects when drafting him. And then the other person from College of Arts and Sciences was someone I don't really talk to, but after looking at his interview video, his disc assessment, his like preferences for what team he wanted to be on, I knew he'd be the perfect fit for the other College of Arts and Sciences person because, again, it's all about the disc assessments, his skills he can bring to the table, and he was amazing. Truly, both of them, crucial to the team. I guess, like, you, you we talked a little bit about the emotional aspect of the team or like bond, like team bonding how do you foster that relationship especially knowing that this project goes so quick right off the bat I knew I wanted to focus on creating an emotional bond we didn't even talk about the project our first meeting and that was something that I didn't think I was going to do but after meeting with Ruchin he said how can you work with a team if you don't know them you don't establish that emotional bond so the first meeting I didn't even mention the word mentorship honestly I introduced myself. I asked everyone their astrological signs. We played two truths and a lie. And I'm not kidding. Right off the bat, everyone got along so well. They made a group chat, you know, sending memes to each other. We were all becoming really good friends. And I was surprised because my biggest fear was that, great, I had this team. On paper, we look awesome. But 
the chemistry in person, you never know how it's going to work out until you actually meet. And I think just focusing your first meeting, even your first two meetings on getting to know each other, assessing strengths, weaknesses, and again, just becoming friends is crucial to the success of a team. And that's like the biggest lesson I've learned from this whole process. Make the team, but the team has to be friends. They have to establish that emotional bond first before they can even start any work. So for me, I kind of didn't take that approach, but also hearing that I I wish I did, but it honestly ended up working out in the end. We did kind of the normal icebreaker, like name major fun fact. Uh, But then I think the way that we got to know each other throughout this whole process was more hearing everyone's ideas. So that was something I was really big on. Every single step I would take, I would say thoughts, comments, questions, like, please, I want to hear. And half the meeting would be my team talking to each other, agreeing with each other, adding on to their, uh, their points. And we did have a group chat. It wasn't as fun as Ashley sounded. <laughs> but I think overall, our bonding was us relating to the topic and hearing our own perspectives and just kind of recognizing together how important mental health is. And we also did breathing exercises together in the beginning, every meeting. So I think that also helped kind of connect us. So, yeah. I... um before our first, my team's first meeting, I scheduled a meeting like the night before where we did just that. Like we just got to know each other, just talked, uh, shared stories. Uh, I did little icebreakers. Um, what's really interesting is that, uh, like Ashley was saying about on paper versus in, in reality, is that people are people. And so they're, they're pretty complex and they, they, they're like hard. It's hard to sort of take someone and then put the personality on a, on a paper and say, this is always how they are. Cause that's just not how it, how it works. And so it was interesting to see some people based off of the, the information I was given on them, how I thought they were going to act and then how they actually acted and how that was influenced by the other members of the team. And so there was a few people where I was, I was pleasantly surprised when they like joined the call and suddenly there was just this extra positive energy in the conversation that I don't, it just, they brought it with them. And it was just like, wow, that was so, I didn't, I didn't expect that. That was so awesome. Um, but yeah, one thing I, 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 I hope that I fostered a, or, or I, I hope that my team had a good dynamic and that everyone did feel cared about and, and involved. Um, but one, one of the ways I tried to do that was I had like elephant jokes that I, I shared at the end of almost every meeting and that I put at the end of my emails. Um, Sort of as a way of being like, yeah, like let's, let's have, we can have a little bit of fun. Like we can we can relax a little bit, but still like work on things. But then like yeah, a little little bit of just humor every now and then. Um, and and then the last aspect was that there are people on my team who were much better at sort of focusing on and building that that team spirit than I was. And so then what I attempted to do was put those people in a position in which they could foster that that team spirit and that like sense of unity. I thank you all once again for joining me on this talk post IDTs and like this reflective conversation. Uh, well, we're coming up on our last question here. And if you were to take one thing away from this entire experience, what would you take away? I think this is something that I touched on in the last question. And the biggest thing I would take away is you can have a team that looks awesome on paper. You can have these ideas, these huge ideas and shoot for the stars. But if your team doesn't have that chemistry and emotional bond, 
it's not going to work. And this is something that Ruchin told me throughout the whole process. This is what a good team looks like. And I will be continually looking for teams like this that have this dynamic for the rest of my life. We truly are just unstoppable. We have an amazing bond with each other. So again, the biggest thing to take away is focus on getting to know your team, really building that trust, that friendship amongst your team. And then once you have that, completely unstoppable. There will be challenges along the way. That's expected. It's a part of the process. But if you have that foundation of trust in each other, that emotional bond, you'll overcome them, no problem. So again, I'm going to be looking for teams like this forever and ever. It was This was such a valuable experience. I would say for me, Going into all of this, I knew the type of leader I had been in the past. So I'm very high D. And as I mentioned, when I get stressed out, my instincts are just to do it all myself, uh, perfectionist. But I think one of the things I learned best throughout this whole project is communication is the most important aspect you can have on a team, especially if you're leading. So I was constantly asking, what can I be doing better? Or how can I handle the situation that I'm feeling right now? And just knowing that I'm learning how to become a better leader and my teammates are learning how to become better leaders as well and better teammates. It's just really comforting knowing that I can come out of this learning about communication and how important it is on a team and that I don't have to drop everything and do it all on my own, but that I can ask for help and a team is usually responsive to that. Wow. Those were some really good answers. Uh, I would say probably sounding very similar to the two answers that were just given. It's really a a lot about the people. Uh, my, My biggest takeaway is that because of the skill sets that individual members of my team had, things that they perceived as work and as contributions were slightly different. And that I, as, as the leader had to, uh, make sure that everyone was contributing and, and as much as they wanted to and as much as they could, um, was sort of like not necessarily a focus on getting the project done, but like on the well-being of people on the team. Uh, cause to echo something that, uh, uh, the, who was previously the interim, Provost uh, Boroff, right? That's she used to be the yeah. She said that if you get the people right, everything else falls into place, and it's totally true. You get the right people on the team; they work well together, and they have the necessary skills. The project it takes care of itself. Um, I I really think that's like the biggest the biggest takeaway is like the, just the people. So I thank you all again for your insight. After this, uh, I can tell that this was a very big learning experience. So thanks again for coming on the podcast and talking about this. On behalf of everyone at the Pasita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership on Instagram at Pasita Leaders and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.